Well, dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. There's nothing like having a battle with an inanimate object, right? And that the inanimate object is far more popular than I am. So that's the way it goes. Well, this is Stewardship Sunday, which is why we have a different text, the Gospel reading. Uh, it was one that I chose along with the Stewardship Committee, and uh, we're going to be talking about gratitude. But we're going to start with why we might be grateful. And we, ha we hear it in the very first verse that I read as a part of the Gospel reading, Christ's word to the disciples and to the followers of himself. I have come so that you might have life and have it abundantly. It's one of my favorite phrases, the abundant life. I've, I've been instructed on what that actually means, where it comes from, and it comes from hosting a party where you're the host and you're going to make sure that your, your guest glass is filled to the very brim, in fact, beyond the brim. And it means to pour wine into their chalice or into their cup so that not only is it full, but that it's actually overflowing. And that it, it means, in fact, to continue to pour so that it actually runs on the floor. And doing so, so that you make sure as the host that there is not one tiny little millimeter of space left in the cup. The abundant life means that it's overflowing, that it's filled beyond the brim. The abundant life. So what does that mean? What, what does an abundant life look like? Well, if I was a prosperity gospel preacher, I would tell you that if you follow Jesus, it means you're going to be wealthy. That the, the more you believe, the, the wealthier you're going to become. But I'm not one of those. It does not mean that you're going to be wealthy. It also doesn't mean that you're going to be an Olympic athlete and able to leap tall buildings with a single bound or faster than a locomotive, if you're old enough to remember those words. You're not going to be a superman or a superwoman. In fact, it doesn't even mean that you're going to be filled with good health and that life is going to be rosy and cheerful all the days of your life. It doesn't mean any of those things. To have an abundant life, to have an abundant life, means that you understand that Christ has a hold of you and will never let you go and that all the things of this life are given as a gift. We have this entrance into the passage of, of Jesus talking about himself as the good shepherd. He'll later talk about himself as the gate of the shepherd or of the sheep paddock. But here he starts out as, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know me and I know them. For about 14 years, my wife and I raised cattle when, we were, when I was pastor in Mitchell and then in Pierre, and I knew that my cattle knew me. I could have a conversation with them across the pasture, and they would come, particularly if it was winter, and especially if I had the pickup. They liked the pickup better than my voice even. They knew there would be food aplenty if they arrived on time. And it drove my kids crazy. I would hear them out practicing. They would stand at the fence 
and stand, and they would try to sound like me, which it's difficult to do when you're nine and you have a soprano voice. Mine might be just a little lower than that. And they would yodel and try to sing, and it would drive them nuts. And so I loved coming up from behind them and then speaking over the top of them. And a couple minutes later, here would come all the cows. They knew me, and I knew them. I knew their proclivities. I knew which ones I couldn't turn my back on. I knew which ones I could walk up and scratch behind their ear. I knew them. To have an abundant life is to understand of knowing, knowing who has named us and claimed us in our baptism, who has promised to hold on to us no matter what, to daily give us the gift of life, to be able to whisper in our ear, your sins, your sins are forgiven, and that we get to start each day with a clean slate. And in that abundant life, guess what? The overflowing part is then that we get to share it with our sisters and brothers in Christ. That we ourselves have the capacity now that we have been forgiven to forgive others, even those who have hurt us deeply. Right now we're living in a day and age where we have any number of voices that want to make us afraid. There is a whole political movement that believes firmly that if we can just induce enough fear in people, we can get them to do whatever we want them to do. And we know that it works. It's worked throughout history. If you can make enough people fearful enough, you can get them to do almost anything in response to that. To be afraid means you need to be separated. You need to protect yourself. You are certainly not open and you certainly are not overflowing. We live in a day and age where we have all kinds of incredibly fast media that did not exist 30 years ago, which only exacerbates and makes it even more, more fearful. That within minutes, certainly within hours, we can ratchet up your concern and build it into a flame and that you are just flat out afraid. And then if those voices can whisper in your ear, it's those people over there, it's those folks, it's that group. And if only, if only we can do something about them. And again, it's worked throughout history, folks. But in this day age, it's so much quicker and faster. And there's no way for fear to drive out fear. There's no way for me to bring a fearful message to you so that you might not be afraid of that. There is only the offer of abundant life in Jesus Christ. And he invites you and I to then be stewards of our life so that we might look into them and see the gifts that have been piled into you by our Lord and Savior about what that might look like. We have been given two assignments as Christian people. One, to be stewards of the earth that we, are, we have been made responsible for it. And I would hope that you would, might be able to look into my life and see how my wife and I and our children have tried to work into that. We're not farmers, we're not ranchers anymore. 
but we have spent time and energy and money to renew the earth on wetlands, and I've planted more trees than I can count. We want to make the earth a better place when we leave it than when we arrived. I've had great teachers in my life that have shown me what can be done with the land to restore it and renew it. I've watched how they have over decades transformed their properties and made them blossom. To be a steward of creation is to take seriously the charge that we've been given. But then we've also been invited to be stewards of our life and of our resources, all the things that we are as a human being. And again, I would hope that if you looked into my checkbook, you could see how my wife and I take seriously the charge of being stewards of our, of our life, of our resources, of our time and energy, of where we put ourselves and how we deal with folks. And are we perfect? Absolutely not. But again, I've had teachers and examples that have been just life-giving as I've watched them use their resources and their times and their talents to transform communities or states even, of how their impact on the world around them has been profound as they have shared out of their abundance and how transforming that can be within communities. So Stewardship Sunday is not just about, it is not just about money. It's not just about what you put in the offering plate. It is far more, I think, about what you do with your life, of how you are overflowing in your abundance, of where do you place your money, and what do you hope for it to do? Where do you place your time and your energy and your talents and your gifts? How do you utilize them on behalf of the community? Is your family better because you're in it? Is your community better because you're a part of it? To be a steward is to see the resources you have and see how they might be multiplied. It's a part of being grateful, grateful. And to be gracious and to be grateful is to understand that you have been given this unbelievable gift of new life in Jesus Christ. One that you have not earned or deserved, but it's just given to you freely so that you might share it with the world around you, to share it with yourself and see the profound impact that it has on your life. I love the fact that we have the story of Jacob, which, by the way, means trickster. And he was the blessed one. He stole his brother's birthright. He received his father's blessing. He received the gift of an abundant life. That's what comes to him in his blessing in that Old Testament story. But guess what? He didn't trust it. He did not trust it. And so he had to scheme and connive and steal and never rested comfortably once one minute. And he finally has to run away from his brother who has threatened to kill him for how he's treated him. And then the, the trickstering continues. And finally, he meets someone, his father-in-law, who's an even bigger trickster. And it's this lovely story of never being comfortable, 
of never trusting the promise, of always trying to work the system. And even at the beginning of this story, he's working the system. He's trying to protect himself. There is nothing overflowing about him. He's afraid that his brother is coming to kill him. And so what does he do? He sends all the servants first, all the cattle, all the sheep, all the goats, and then he takes his least favorite wife and sends her first, and then his second least favorite wife, and so on and so forth. But guess who's last? He is. He's really kind of hoping that his brother might just get tired of killing people when he finally gets to him. And there's this pivotal moment then of wrestling with God. And what's the point of it? To finally understand that God's not going to let him go. Even when God says, let me go. That the promise, in fact, was true. And so he gets a new name. But he is certainly a different man. He has a new name, wrestles with God. He's no longer the trickster. And if we had kept on reading, you would have heard how now Israel walks through all of his wives, all of his servants, all of the cattle, the sheep and the goats, and goes and meets his brother one-to-one. An abundant life. An abundant life is one not filled with fear, not filled with anxiety, of simply trusting that God will never let you go. To live an abundant life means that you can actually give it away in service to others because, in fact, you have more than enough. So God's blessings to each of you as you are the people of God, the ones called for this time and this place into an abundant life in Jesus Christ. Amen.